0: Welcome to Phil Interrupted. Are you out of your damn mind? You get to drink from the fire hose! Yeah! This is an embarrassment, a disgrace. What? What's the matter, kid? You got wax in your ears. do do it. you got tearing and Hello, and welcome to Phil Interrupted. It's the show where I get to do whatever I want while dealing with the constant antics of Smash. We can review movies, video games, and who knows what else. Episodes can be spooky, too oddly informative, to downright stupid. I am your host, Phil Allen, and I do welcome you to the show. Today's podcast is going to be a fun journey through the mysterious and creepy story of 657 Boulevard. So let's not waste any time and let's get into our story, deep into our story today. This is a true life story, a true mystery. Maybe you can be the one to crack the code. Let's jump in. In June 2014, Derek Broaddus was in his new home in Westfield, New Jersey, when he went outside to check the mail. Derek and his wife, Maria, had closed on the six-bedroom house at 657 Boulevard three days earlier and were doing some renovations before they moved in. So there wasn't much in the mail except a few bills and a white card-shaped envelope. It was addressed in a thick, clunky handwriting to The New Owner, and the typed note inside began warmly. Dearest New Neighbor at six five seven Boulevard. Allow me to welcome you to the neighborhood. For the Broaddyses, buying six five seven Boulevard had fulfilled a dream. Maria was raised in Westfield, and the house was a few blocks away from her childhood home. Derrick grew up working class in Maine, and then had moved his way up the ladder at an insurance company in Manhattan. ...to become a senior vice president with a huge salary... ...large enough to afford the $1.3 million house. But as Derek kept reading the letter, it took a turn. How did you end up here? Did 657 Boulevard call to you with its force within? 657 Boulevard has been the subject of my family for decades now. And as it approaches its 110th birthday... I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for its second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched the house in the 1960s. It is now my time. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Why are you here? I will find out. Ooh, that's a pretty creepy letter to get when you're uh, just moving into a house. Ooh. <laughs> the author's spying had apparently already begun. The letter identified the Broaddus' Honda minivan, as well as the workers who were renovating the home. I see you have already flooded 657 Boulevard with contractors so that you can destroy the house as it was supposed to be. Tisk tisk tisk. Bad move. You don't want to make 657 Boulevard unhappy. Creepy, very strange, very strange. Earlier in the week, Derek and Maria had gone to the house and chatted with their new neighbors while their children, who were 5, 8, and 10 years old, ran about the backyard with several kids from the neighborhood. The letter writer seemed to have noticed this. You have children. I have seen them. "'So far I think there are three that I have counted. "'Are there more on the way? "'Do you need to fill the house with young blood I requested? "'Better for me. "'Was your old house too small for the growing family? "'Or was it greed to bring me your children? "'Once I know their names, I will call to them and draw them to me. "'I ask the woods to bring me young blood, and it looks like they have listened.' Who am I? There are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I am in one. Look at all the windows you can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I am in one. Look out any of the many windows in 657 Boulevard to all of the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. Welcome my friends, welcome. Let the party begin. The watcher. The envelope had no return address. Derek called the Westfield Police Department. Hell yeah, he did. An officer came to the house, read the letter, and said, What the fuck is this? <laughs> I don't know if that's really good reporting. <laughs> Maybe that's what he said. <laughs> he asked Derek if he had any enemies. Derek rushed back to his wife and kids who were living at their old home elsewhere in Westfield. That night, Derek and Maria wrote an email to John and Andrea Woods, the couple who had sold them 657 Boulevard, to ask them if they had any idea who the Watcher might be and why he or she had written, I asked the Woods to bring me young blood and it looks like they listened. Andrea Woods replied the next morning, a few days before moving out, the Woodses also received a letter from the Watcher. The note had been odd, she said, and made similar mention of the Watcher's family observing the house over time. But Andrea Woods said that she and her husband had never received anything like it in their 23 years in the house, and had thrown the letter away without much thought. That day, the Woodses went with Maria to the police station, where a detective told her not to tell anyone about the letters, including her new neighbors, most of whom she had never met yet, but all of whom were now suspects. But let's take a minute here to step away. I am getting a call here. Yes, it's true. Yes, it's coming through. It appears as though Phil is out on the scene uh, doing a live report. I believe he's on his way there. So he just checked in and we are going to send it to him uh, live, pre-recorded right now. Phil i need to talk to you hi i'm here at 657 boulevard it is so creepy okay i'll no, stop that right there that is not the report at all that is smash who clearly recorded something Purposely mislabeled something so that I would accidentally play it on the show because he's trying to always butt in. So okay, I can't believe that. God. Okay, so let's get to let's uh, let's get to the actual live report pre-recorded from Phil, Jess, and Zoe. Let's go out to them uh, right now. Uh, hey Phil, yeah, this is uh, Phil, Jess, and Zoe reporting from the live pre-recorded uh, thing. We are on our way to. 657 Boulevard and uh, again we have Jess and Zoe here with me traveling and uh, say hello Zoe Zoe's with us and my lovely wife Jessica Hi We're currently traveling on New Jersey's busiest road the New Jersey Turnpike for all you out of staters We got a lot of lanes here How many lanes do we have, babe? We got... Uh, Three over here, and three or four over on the other side. We got seven lanes going north, and seven or eight lanes going south. It's a busy road. There's cars everywhere. I understand where everyone's going. We are probably about 45 minutes outside of New York City right now. And, uh, like I said, we are on our way to... 657 Boulevard, which is a pretty cool name. And uh, we're going to see see it for ourselves in the flesh. So when we get there, we will check back in with you and uh, tell you what we see. All right, everybody. We will see you then. Okay, thanks, guys. Looks like they're out there uh, in the field. Field reporting. Always good to have. Now, Phil mentioned that he is... 45 minutes outside New York City. Westfield is about 15 or 20 minutes outside New York City. So uh, they should be there arriving soon, and I'm sure we'll hear back from them in just a bit. But let's continue on with the story. Now, the has spent the coming weeks on high alert. Derek canceled a work trip, and whenever Maria took the kids to their new house, she would yell their names if they wandered into the corner of the yard. When Derek gave a tour of the renovation to a couple on the block, he froze when the wife said, It'll be nice to have some young blood in the neighborhood. (gasps) Dun, dun, dun. Suspect, suspect. The Broaddus' general contractor arrived one morning to find that a heavy sign he had hammered into the front yard had been ripped out overnight. A lot of sketchy stuff happening here. Two weeks after the first letter arrived, Maria stopped by the house to look at some paint samples and check the mail. She recognized the thick black lettering on a card-shaped envelope and called the police. Welcome again to your new home at 657 Boulevard. The workers have been busy, and I have been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. Have they found what is in the walls yet? In time, they will. This time, the Watcher had addressed Derek and Maria directly, misspelling their names as Mr. and Mrs. Badass. They're actually the Broaddus. Had the Watcher been close enough to hear one of the Broaddus' contractors addressing them? The Watcher boasted of having learned a lot about the family in the preceding weeks, especially about the children, and the letter identified the Broaddus' three kids by birth order and by their nicknames. That would totally freak me out. I am pleased to know the names now, and the name of the young blood you have brought to me. You certainly say their names often. The girl with the easel, is she the artist in the family? Six Five Seven Boulevard is anxious for you to move in. It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all of the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement? Or are they too afraid to go down there alone? I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you would never hear them scream. Will they sleep in the attic? Or will you all sleep on the second floor? Who has the bedrooms facing the street? I'll know as soon as you move in. It will help me to know who is in which bedroom. Then I can plan better. All of the windows and doors in 657 Boulevard allow me to watch you and track you as you move through the house. Who am I? I am the watcher, and I have been in control of 657 Boulevard for the better part of two decades now. The Woods family turned it over to you. It was their time to move on and kindly sold it as I asked them to. I pass by many times a day. 657 Boulevard is my job, my life, my obsession, and now you too, Braddus family, spelled it wrong, welcome to the product of your greed. Greed is what brought the past three families to 657 Boulevard, and now it has brought you to me. Have a happy moving in day. You know I will be watching The Watcher. Uh, damn. Derek and Maria stopped bringing their kids to the house. Good idea. They were no longer sure when or if they would even move in. Several weeks later, a third letter arrived. Damn it! Where have you gone to? 657 Boulevard is missing you. Mm, That's, uh, that's not good. So built in 1905, 657 Boulevard was perhaps the grandest home on the block. And when the Woodses put it on the market, they'd received multiple offers above their asking price. Damn, a little bidding war going on there. That led the Broadduses to initially suspect that the watcher might have been somebody who was upset after losing out on the house. That's definitely a definite possibility. Um, By the way, the 657 Boulevard, that's kind of a funny name for a street, right? You'd think, like, I don't know. It just sounds funny to me. The letters, they did indicate proximity. Um, and they had been processed in Kearney, New Jersey, which is not really all that great of a town. But that is the U.S. Postal Services Distribution Center in northern New Jersey. The first was postmarked on June 4th, and that is before the sale was public. The Woodses had never even put up a for sale sign. When Derek and Maria walked the detective around the house... They showed him that the easel on the porch was hidden from the street by vegetation, making it difficult to see unless somebody was behind the house or right next door. A few days after the first letter, Marie and Derek went to a barbecue across the street welcoming them in and another new homeowner to the block. The Broaduses hadn't told anybody about the watcher, as the police had instructed, and found themselves scanning the party for clues while keeping tabs on their kids. At one point, Derek was chatting with John Schmidt. Good old Schmitty. Schmitty motherfucker who lived two doors down. I don't think Schmitty did anything here. I don't know why I was so mean to him. When Schmidt told him about the Langfords who also lived between them. Peggy Langford was in her 90s. And several of her adult children, all in their 60s, lived with her. Several? Jesus. Get a job, kids. You're 60 years old. The family was a bit odd, Schmidt said, but they were harmless. He specifically described one of the younger Langford's, Michael, who didn't work. Derek thought that the case was solved. Boom! Got it! The Langford house was right next door to the easel on the porch, and the family had lived there since the 1960s, when the watcher's father, as the letters said, had begun observing 657 Boulevard. Richard Langford, the family patriarch, had died 12 years earlier, and the current watcher claimed to have been on the job for the better part of two decades. We got him. We got him. So when the Broaduses told the detective about the family, he uh, he said he already knew. And a week after the first letter arrived, he had brought Michael Langford to the police headquarters for an interview. Uh, Michael denied knowing anything about the letters, but the Broaduses say that that the detective told them that the narrative of what Michael said matched the things mentioned in the letters. But there really wasn't much in terms of hard evidence. And after a few weeks, the police chief told the Broadises that, short of an admission, there wasn't much that the department could do. After the second letter, Derek told the cops that if they didn't take care of the situation, they would have a different kind of case on their hands. Like, he's probably going to go try and beat the shit out of somebody. Like, that kind of... Or, like, some sort of a lawsuit or something something like that. Frustrated, the Broaduses began their own investigation. Derek set up cameras and spent nights crouched in the dark, watching to see if anybody was watching the house at close range. The Broadduses turned to several experts. They employed a private investigator who staked out the neighborhood and ran background checks on the Langfords, but didn't find anything noteworthy. Derek reached out to a former FBI agent who had served as the inspiration for Clarice Starling in the Silence of the Lambs film. They were on a high school board of trustees together. Ah, see, that's the hookup. And they also hired Robert Linehan, another former FBI agent, to conduct a threat assessment. Lenahan recognized several old-fashioned ticks in the letters that pointed to an elder writer. The letters had a certain literary sophistication, which suggests a voracious reader. And there was a surprising lack of profanity, given the level of anger. Maybe, he wondered, The Watcher had seen The Watcher, a movie starring Keanu Reeves as a serial killer who stalks the detective trying to catch him. I have not seen that movie, so I can't comment. The FBI agent didn't think the Watcher was likely to act on the threats, but the letters had enough typos and errors to imply a certain erraticism. There was also a seething anger directed at the wealthy in particular. The Watcher was upset by new money moving into town and by the Broaddus' relatively modest renovations. The house is crying from all the pain it is going through. You have changed it and made it so fancy. You are stealing its history. It cries for the past, in what used to be in the time when I roamed its halls. The 1960s were a good time for 657 Boulevard, when I ran from room to room, imagining the life with the rich occupants there. The house was full of life and young blood. Then it got old. And so did my father. But he kept watching until the day he died. And now I watch and wait for the day when the young blood will be mine again. In cooperation with the Westfield police, the Broadduses sent a letter to the Langfords announcing plans to tear down the house, hoping to prompt a response. However, nothing happened. The detective brought Michael Langford in for a second interview but again got nowhere. And his sister, Abby, accused the police of harassing their family. Eventually, the Broadises hired Lee Levitt, a lawyer, who met with several members of the Langford family, as well as their attorney. He showed them the letters, along with photos explaining how their home was one of the few vantage points from which the easel could be seen. The meeting grew tense, and the Langfords insisted Michael was innocent. Now, there were reasons to consider other suspects. For one thing, the police spoke to Michael before the second letter was sent, which would make sending two more letters especially reckless. Then there was the rest of the neighborhood to consider. The private investigator found two child sex offenders within a few blocks. A contractor working at the house also noticed something strange. The couple behind 657 Boulevard kept a pair of lawn chairs strangely close to the Broaddus' property line. There was an older gentleman sitting there in one of the chairs, but he wasn't facing his house. His chair was facing the Broaddus'. By the end of 2014, the investigation had stalled. The watcher had left no digital trail, no fingerprints, and there was no way to place somebody at the scene of the crime. The letters could have pretty much been mailed from any northern New Jersey mailbox. The letters could be read closely for possible clues or dismissed as nonsensical ramblings of a sociopath. It was like trying to find a needle in a haystack. And then another letter arrived. 657 Boulevard is turning on me. It is coming after me. I don't understand why. What spell did you cast on it? It used to be my friend, and now it is my enemy. I am in charge of 657 Boulevard. It is not in charge of me. I will fend off its bad things and wait for it to become good again. It will not punish me. I will rise again. I will be patient and wait for this to pass, and for you to bring the young blood back to me. 657 Boulevard needs young blood. It needs you. Come back. Let the young blood play again as I once did. Let the young blood sleep in 657 Boulevard. Stop changing it and let it alone. By this time, the Broadduses had sold their old home. So, in the meantime, they moved in with Maria's parents while continuing to pay the mortgage and property taxes on 657 Boulevard. Ooh, that's gotta suck, paying mortgage and property taxes on a house you don't live in. I hate paying it for the one I do live in. So, I can't even imagine, and this is a big house, so... God, that would suck. They told only a handful of friends about the letters which left others to ask why they weren't moving in. Eh, They came up with different excuses, legal issues, they said. And unfortunately, the couple started fighting constantly and starting to take medication to fall asleep. I was a depressed wreck, Derek said. Maria decided to see a therapist after a routine doctor's visit that begun with the question, How are you? causing her to burst into tears. The therapist said that she was suffering from post-traumatic stress it wouldn't go away until they got rid of the house. Six months after the letters arrived, the Broadises decided to sell 657 Boulevard. They initially listed it for more than they paid, to reflect the renovations they had done, but rumors had already begun to swirl about why the house sat empty. The Broadises had sent a partial disclosure mentioning the letters to interested buyers, and told their realtor that they intended to show the full letters to anyone whose offer was accepted. Several preliminary bids came in well below the asking price, but the Broaduses weren't ready to take such a financial hit, and only wanted to share the letters with likely buyers. Nobody got that far, even after they lowered the price. Derek and Maria thought about what they would have done had the previous owners told them about their letter from the watcher. The Woodses, both retired scientists, told the Broadises that they had remembered the letter they received as more strange than threatening, and they said that they never had any issues. But the Broadises felt that the name The Watcher alone was ominous enough to merit mentioning to a new family moving in. And on June 2nd, 2015, a year after buying 657 Boulevard, they filed a legal complaint against the Woodses arguing that the Woodses should have disclosed this letter. The Broadduses say that they hope to reach a quiet settlement. Their kids still didn't know about The Watcher, and their lawyer assured them that, at most, a small legal newswire might pick up the story. Well, that's quite an understatement. The story of 657 became featured on the Today Show and many, many other news outlets, becoming a national headline. When a New Jersey family moved into a new home, they began receiving disturbing letters from someone who called themselves the Watcher. You know what's so strange? We did some creepy stories. This might this be top weird. 10 creepy. Top 10 creepy stories out there. So this family in New Jersey, a beautiful community. Uh, what's it? Westfield. Westfield. Westfield new yeah. Huge yeah. mall. Gorgeous. That's how I know it, because of <laughs> the mall. Um, anyway, beautiful home. They just bought $1.3 million. Dream yeah. home at that price tag. Sure. got to be your dream home. They say they're being terrorized by a person called the Watcher. This morning, a new reported letter from the so-called Westfield Watcher, a mysterious figure allegedly stalking this $1.3 million home in a tiny neighborhood in New Jersey. This is the now infamous Watcher House at 657 Boulevard in Westfield, New Jersey. The first time I read the letters, uh, I got goosebumps. I've never seen anything like it uh, outside of of kind of a horror movie or, or a Stephen King novel. Now with a new threat from the stalker known as The Watcher, who's been haunting the owners of the New Jersey home, sent a new letter as well. Their lawyer says this one is more sinister than the others. Gio Benitez on the scene in Westfield, New Jersey. Good morning, Gio. Obviously, the story went viral. News trucks camped out at 657 Boulevard, and one local reporter set up a lawn chair to conduct his own daily watch. The Broadduses got more than 300 media requests, but with advice from a crisis management consultant referred to by one of Derek's colleagues, they decided not to speak publicly to spare their kids even more attention. They vacated Westfield and went to a friend's beach house. Eventually, Derek and Maria sat down with their children to explain the real reason why they hadn't moved into their home. The kids had plenty of questions. Who is the Watcher? Where does this person live? Why is this person angry with us? To which Derek and Maria had few answers. But let's wait. Before we go any further, we have Phil and Jess and Zoe are checking in. They have arrived, I believe, at 657 Boulevard. So uh, let's send it to them. All right, guys. Okie dokie. We are turning on Boulevard Avenue... Well, it's, I don't even think it's Avenue. It's just Boulevard. Right now, again, I'm here with... Your destination will be on the right. Oh, destination will be on the right. I'm here with Jess. Hey. And Zoe. <laughs> that was Zoe. And we're on the Boulevard, which this is a nicer street than the rest of the area we've been to. Let me just pull over here for a sec so we can talk about the neighborhood. <clears throat> so we're up here trying to find the infamous 657 Boulevard... And, uh, and we're, let me just say, Northern New Jersey kind of sucks, right? It does. It's real, it's like everything's really compact, there's houses, there's commercial, there's like businesses everywhere, it's, I don't know, it's like, I would prefer a little more open space. Yeah. A little more country-ish, like, we don't live in a rural place either, but it's certainly not as compact as Northern New Jersey is. Zoe's singing some nice songs you might be able to hear in the background. You want to sing for us, Zoe? Go ahead. Five, 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 five. You're just eating your chips. She's eating some chips, singing a little bit. Okay, so yeah, it's a little congested up here, and we just turned onto the boulevard, and it is definitely a little bit more open. There's some nice trees on yeah. this street. This is a little bit nicer than the sections we just drove through, which were, like I said, a little. Cityish. They were definitely city-ish, yeah Very city-type streets um, Tons of traffic I couldn't make a left People were The traffic was so bad That people were blocking the road Trying to go in the other direction But traffic wasn't moving So when our light turned green What? So when we tried to go through the light it was uh, It was green And we couldn't get through Because traffic was blocked But anyway, that's not the point We're here to talk about 657 Boulevard And check it out I think we're really close, hun. So you ready to move up? Yep. All right. Hopefully, when we stop out in front of this house, we don't get get in trouble for loitering. And they don't think that we are the infamous watcher who wrote these letters. And here we go. I'm pulling off the side. We're driving down Boulevard. 657, hun. Keep your eyes peeled. Maybe it's still for sale. I don't know. Let's see. We gotta be close I think I see it I recognize it I think this is it right up here This is a very big street Compared to what we were just on Now they said you've made it If you move to the boulevard Uh, Destinations on the right Okay we found it This is total loitering Now does anybody live here? What do you think? Uh, I think so Someone's living in it? Yeah Looks that way Six five seven. There it is. They got lights out. It's nice. It's a cute house. It's got a nice lawn here. Some really big trees. I mean, it needs a little bit of work, but it's still nice. And uh, this is the house that received all the threatening letters. How dare you move into our house, whoever the watcher was. So maybe the watcher, hun was right around here, one of these few houses. This is where... The epicenter was it was these people right here that we're looking around that would have been our prime suspects in the case. Didn't they find them in their mailbox? Oh, bye. Where the heck is their mailbox? Um Yeah. I don't I don't remember if where they the were in letters their were? I think so. I don't see any mailboxes anywhere. I don't see any mailboxes. Do they not have mailboxes here? Is it at their? Is it like in the door? Do they have like someone who goes up to the doors? I don't see anything. Huh? Unless that's it—the basket next to the door. No, a basket can't be a basket. No. They have something. See that on the, their house? Like a little, like a little tin. Yeah, could they that have be a it? basket? What if it got wet? Even though there's a it's covered patio. Oh. oh, I thought that was a cup. Uh, here's a guy jo- jogging. He's running to his car. He could be the watcher. And here's a lady walking down the street. There's some, another couple. They could be the watcher, hun. So we drove all this way to see what appears to be just a normal house. That's a really strange window up there. Yeah, oh, isn't the it? It's a long one. It's... With two tall ones and that long one. Oh, I saw Weird. a picture from inside the house of that tall... that That, uh... That, win- that window up there. Oh, yeah, the rectangle no, windows. not the one at the top. That rectangle one just weird. What do you think, that's the bathroom? I don't know. It's a pretty big house, though. It is. I would imagine when you're in there, it's pretty big. It's pretty cute. I kind of like it. Now, do you realize that that house was $1.3 million? Yeah, that's insane. That's oh, New Jersey. That is New Jersey for you. These are definitely the nicest homes we've seen in this town. Yeah, but they don't really have much land. No, not much land at all. You pay that much money for that? Westfield is considered, like, supposed to be ritzy, but I'll tell you what, seen a lot of ritzy areas. I've seen definite well, ritzy areas. Definitely, this is not one of the more I, prestigious towns, in my opinion. So, are you still eating those chips, girl? Uh, She's still eating the chips. Joey, what do you think of the house? What do you think of that house? Right there. What do you think of it? It's a little house. It's a little house? Do you like it or no? No. no. no? She doesn't like it. No, he doesn't like would it. Would you send nasty letters to this house? You're nodding? You would? So Zoe could be the watcher for all we know, even though she wasn't born. Huh. All right, well, look, Phil. It's just a house. Um... A nice little piece of property. Could use a little landscaping work, like I said. But the uh... the chippies are all gone. She's ate all her bugles. <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty nice, uh, all things considered. Thanks, though. So. Thank you. So I guess we're gonna sign off here, Phil. It's uh, it's just a house who was tormented, like like you've been talking about by uh, some evil letter writer or writers. I see someone's not next to the door. <laughs> There's somebody in the door looking out. Uh-huh. They're gonna call the cops on us. We better hit the road. All right, Phil. We're gonna get we're gonna get running here so uh, we don't get in trouble. But uh, yeah, signing off. Anything to say, Jess? No, I'm just not really what I thought. I thought it was gonna be a really nice neighborhood. I thought it was gonna be a super nice neighborhood, too. like like elite, fancy, like elite. This is not elite. This, this, is, this is, not. is just you know kind of upscale. That's all. All right, Zoe. Signing off. You got any last words? huh. Say, say bye. Say bye. Back to you, Phil. Okay, guys, get out of there before you uh, you get arrested. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Let's get back to the story. Now, the Watcher, this was a real-life mystery to solve. A commenter on NJ.com suggested that ground-penetrating radar could be used to find whatever the Watcher claimed was inside the walls. The home inspector had already looked and told Derek that the only issue was the aging home's lack of insulation. In Westfield, people were on edge. However, the watcher hadn't been heard from in a year. And even though police hadn't solved the case, their investigation had been exhaustive. This was news to 657's neighbors, most of whom had never heard from the cops or been interviewed. Again, the most likely suspect was Michael Langford. According to his brother Sandy Langford, Michael had been diagnosed with schizophrenia as a young man. He sometimes spooked newcomers to the neighborhood when he did strange things like walk through their backyards or peek into the windows of homes that were being renovated. Does that not just check off all the boxes of the type of person we're looking for? Alert, alert. But those who knew him said that the odd things he did were mostly just unusual neighborly acts of kindness, like getting the morning newspapers for people. Investigators had eventually conducted a DNA analysis on one of the envelopes and determined that the DNA belonged to a woman. The police decided to look more closely at Abby Langford, Michael's sister, who worked as a real estate agent. Was she upset about missing a commission right next door? She also worked at a local Lord & Taylor, and the police coordinated with the security guard there to nab her plastic water bottle during a shift. But the DNA sample was not a match. Not long after, the prosecutor's office gave Derek and Maria some unexpected news. They wouldn't say why or how, but they had ruled out the Langfords as suspects. The Broadises were stunned. They have recently told the prosecutors that they plan to file civil charges against the Langfords, and wondered if the prosecutors were lying to prevent the story from blowing up again. The Westfield police were also back to square one. The cops asked former homeowner Andrea Woods for a DNA sample, and interviewed her 21-year-old son, who was surprised to find that he suddenly seemed to be a suspect. A year after the fact, it was hard to find fresh leads, and the initial police investigation had missed a significant clue. Around the same time that the Broadises had received their first letter, another family on the boulevard got a similar note from the watcher. The parents of that family had lived in their house for years, and their kids were grown. So they threw the letter away, just as the Woodses had. When investigators spoke to the family, they confirmed that the letter had been similar to the Broadduses, but its existence only made the case more confusing. One night, the police were sitting in the back of a van parked on Boulevard, watching the house through a pair of binoculars. Around 11 p.m., a car stopped in front of the house, long enough to grow suspicious. They say they traced the car to a young woman in a nearby town whose boyfriend lived on the same block as 657. The woman said her boyfriend was into some really dark video games, including one which he was playing as a specific character called The Watcher. What are really dark video games? Like, seriously, what is... Was he on the dark web here? Was he... What is a really dark video game? Is that, like, a shooter-up game? Like Call of Duty? So what? Grand Theft Auto? Ooh, it's a really dark video game. He's a creep. (laughs) Whatever. As for the female DNA, police figured the girlfriend, or somebody else... Could have helped. The boyfriend was living elsewhere at the time, but he agreed to come in for an interview on two separate occasions. He didn't show up either time. They didn't have enough evidence, and with media attention dying down, they dropped the case and moved on. Are you kidding me? He just didn't show up, so they didn't go find him? What the hell? This is a terrible investigation. That is super shoddy police work. Uh, He didn't come in? Nah, alright, screw it. While the Broadduses continued to be consumed by stress and fear, for the rest of Westfield, New Jersey, the story became a little more than a creepy urban legend. A house to walk by on Halloween if you were brave enough. No one who had lived in the house before the Woodses could recall anything unusual, and it was hard for people to imagine that their idyllic neighborhood could be host to something so sinister. Eventually, some people began to believe Maybe the Broadises sent the letters to themselves? The theory was this. The Broadises had suffered buyer's remorse or realized they couldn't afford the home and concocted an elaborate scheme to get out of the sale. Or Derek was cooking up some kind of an insurance fraud. Or they were angling for perhaps a movie deal. The Broadises did receive several movie offers but turned them down. The Lifetime Network eventually released a movie called The Watcher, despite a cyst and deceased letter from the Broadduses, arguing that the couple in its movie was biracial and the letters were signed The Raven. Now, guys, in order to do proper research on this topic, my wife and I actually tracked down this movie, The Watcher, okay? It was actually kind of hard to find. And it, like I said, it was on the Lifetime Network. And I'm going to be honest with you, kind of a fan of Lifetime movies. I know they're cheesy. I know they're stupid and usually really predictable. I don't know why. I actually kind of do like Lifetime movies. Guilty pleasure. Sue me. Okay? Sorry. So we we tracked down this movie and we actually had to stream it from like one of those illegal downloaded sites and we found it. This movie sucks sucks It is a bad movie it is worse than your regular lifetime movie those are actually like i said kind of enjoyable this one was not it I, I think it's funny that the couple was mad that it was a biracial couple that was in the film because they're they're not in real life but that has that if that's the only thing you're upset about then pfft, that is insignificant because this movie stinks in the movie, the this goes out of control. It does start with the same premise that there's a house they moved into. They don't have any kids in the movie. And they get letters. And that's basically the true story. They get letters, right, that are threatening. But they change all the wording. Nothing's the same. And, like, I think something gets thrown through their windows with a letter attached. Like, they definitely change the story. And then there's this crazy woman next door who is, like, really butting herself into the family, and you think that she's the one who sends the letters, but it ends up that it's this... She is a a disabled, like, mentally handicapped child. He is actually a mastermind who has been faking being a handicapped kid, and he was the one who was writing all the letters, being the psychopath, and that's the whole big twist. And, yeah, he called himself the Raven in that one. So the Lifetime movie, really the only thing they took from this true story was... The idea that some creepo wrote, like, stalking letters to people who moved in. That's it. They pretty much changed everything else. So, guys, I did my proper research, and I watched this crappy Lifetime movie, The Watcher, for you guys, so that you don't have to. So, (laughs) anyway, that's a little sidebar. Let's get back to our story. A few weeks after the letters became public, the Westfield leader published an article in which anonymous neighbors were quoted asking why the Broadduses kept renovating a home they weren't moving into, or questioning whether they had really done all that much renovating at all. The leader even cast doubt on Maria's commitment to her family's safety, citing evidence, the fact that she had a public Facebook page with photos of her kids. The paper did note that the police had tested Maria's DNA, and it didn't match. None of the theories made much logical sense. The Broaddesses found it shocking to find themselves being accused of being con artists. While Maria looks back fondly on her childhood, she was born a few years after Westfield resident John List infamously murdered his wife, mother, and three children in their home, and remembers a period when she and other kids were warned to look out for a strange van driving around town. John List, and that is a wild, wild story. I actually thought about doing a podcast about him a lot. As stated here, this is the guy who just, he was like a religious family man, just decided to kill his entire family one day because he had lost his job and he wasn't making enough money, and and rather than be embarrassed by his uh, lack of employment and all that stuff, he just decided to kill them, you know, just solve my problem this way. And then he moved off somewhere like many states away and started all over at a new church with a new family and a new wife. And it's just like, whoa, dude, you can't just do that when things go sour one time. Anyway, that is John List. And this happens to be the same town that John List was uh, from, that this Watcher shenanigans happened with. So that's just kind of an interesting connection. The Broaduses were suddenly outcasts, not only from their home, but also from their town. Derek wanted to leave Westfield, but Maria insisted on not uprooting her kids. This person took so much from us, Maria said. I wouldn't let them take more. Two years after the watcher's letters arrived, the Broadduses borrowed money from family members to buy a second home in Westfield, using an LLC to keep the location private. Wow. Can you do that? In the spring of 2016, they put 657 back on the market, hoping it might garner more interest given how many people had reacted to the letters by saying they should have just ignored them and just moved in the house. The Broadduses held a well-attended open house, after which Derek and Maria spent hours researching every person who signed in and comparing their handwriting to the Watchers. Eventually, the Broadduses got some good news. A family with grown children and two big dogs had agreed to rent 657 Boulevard. The renter told the Star Ledger that he wasn't worried about the Watcher, though he had a clause in the lease that let him leave in case of another letter. Two weeks later, the renter handed Derek an envelope that had just arrived. This letter, two and a half years after the Watcher first appeared, came out of nowhere. It was dated... February 13th, the day the Broadduses gave depositions in their lawsuit against the Woodses. Coincidence? I don't know. Violent winds and bitter cold to the vile and spiteful Derek and his wench of a wife, Maria. You wonder who the Watcher is? Turn around, idiots. Maybe you even spoke to me. One of the so-called neighbors who has no idea who the Watcher could be. Or maybe you do know and are too scared to tell anyone. Good move. I walked by the news trucks when they took over my neighborhood and mocked me. Watched as you watched from the dark house in an attempt to find me. Telescopes and binoculars are wonderful inventions. 657 Boulevard survived your attempted assault and stood strong with its army of supporters barricading its gates. My soldiers of the boulevard followed my orders to a T. They carried out their mission and saved the soul of 657 Boulevard with my orders. All hail the Watcher. Maybe a car accident. Maybe a fire. Maybe something as simple as a mild illness that never seems to go away makes you fell sick day after day after day after day. Maybe the mysterious death of a pet. Loved ones suddenly die. Planes and cars and bicycles crash. Bones break. You are despised by the house. And the Watcher won. Man, if those other letters did not freak you out by this time, I'd be like, yeah, I'm totally done here. This guy covers, like, all his bases with all these different things that could happen. A mysterious death of a pet. Maybe a fire. Maybe an illness. Maybe you're suddenly sick. A car accident. Bicycles, cars, planes. He's, like, he's trying to get every cover, every possible angle so that if something does go wrong, it's the Watcher. I see what he's doing here. Clever game this guy's playing, though. I still wouldn't play it. Like I said, I'd just be like, yeah, uh, I'm out. Even the renter was mentioned. And he was spooked, but he agreed to stay if the Broadduses installed cameras around the house. That was the other thing I was wondering. Why not install cameras all over the place? Like, every inch of this place, the, the mailbox or lack of mailbox, wherever the mail comes, all over the place. So if anybody is dropping this off or anything, you at least have some video footage of it, like... That'd be the first thing I would do. The latest letter was less stylish and more wrathful than the others. And it seemed that the writer had been closely following the story. It was like we were back at the beginning, said Maria. But it also meant fresh evidence that might help reinvigorate the investigation. Derek took the letter to police headquarters, where a detective looked at the neighborhood map and traced the circle around the house, 300 yards in diameter, suggesting the watcher must have been somewhere in this area. Derek drew one circle much closer and said, In my view, it's one of ten houses here. The Broadduses continued to press the case, but there still wasn't much for law enforcement to go on. And it was possible to look up and down the street and see the watcher and practically anyone. The Broadduses sent new names to the investigators whenever they found something odd, but... Their greatest fear was that the Watcher was someone they would have never expected. The Broadduses no longer live in ever-present fear that the Watcher may strike at any moment, but they continue to deal with the lingering effects from the letters. They have a new tenant at 657, but the rent doesn't cover their mortgage. Their kids are occasionally teased at school, and the conspiracy rumors persist. Hindsight made Derek and Maria wonder if they should have just sold the house at a loss early on, and 657 Boulevard conjured too much emotional pain for them to ever consider moving in. They hoped that a few years renting the place without incident would help them sell it. The prosecutor's office was continuing its investigation, but the Broaduses knew it was unlikely that the watcher would ever be caught, and that the legal punishment would likely be minimal. The watcher was also no longer the only person sending anonymous letters in Westfield. On Christmas Eve, several families received an envelope in their mailboxes. They had been delivered by hand to the homes of people who had been most vocal in criticizing the Broadduses online. Another family who got the letter said that it was weirdly poetic, as the Watchers had been, and that it accused the families of speculating inaccurately about the Broadduses. It included several stories about recent acts of domestic terrorism in which signs of brewing mental illness had gone unnoticed. The type letters were signed, Friends of the Broadus Family. The letter writer had clearly been infected not only with the watcher's style of anonymous notes, but also a simmering resentment, one that had snaked its way through Westfield, making enemies of neighbors. The people who received the letters didn't know who had sent them, but the tone had a familiar ring. Derek Broadus admitted he had written them. He wasn't proud of it and said that they were the only anonymous letters he had written. He said he had felt driven to his wit's end, fed up with watching silently as people threw accusations at his family based on practically nothing. One of the people who received the letter had never met the Broaduses and had no interest in doing so. The Watcher had been obsessed with 657 Boulevard, and Derek, in turn, had become obsessed with The Watcher. Now, at this point, to the best of my knowledge, there have been no more letters sent to the house, and I think the story is pretty much wrapped up there. So, let's take a look back. There were some people around the house who could have been sending these letters, Again, possibly somebody who wanted the house, didn't get it, lost their bid. The Broaddus' family got it, and they were pissed off about it. I think that's certainly a possible scenario, that somebody would write these letters, hoping maybe they would move or sell the house, and they get another chance at it. Or just wanted to be uh, very bitter and angry and send mean letters to them to scare them. I think that's possible. Some psycho out there. Uh, I guess it could have been this Langford family. Mm-hmm. You sometimes you just don't know people's motivations. I'd say you have to keep that as a possibility. I find it extremely suspicious that Derek Broaddus himself sent out letters to other people in the neighborhood. If he was not the one sending these letters and he was innocent. And the letters that came to him from the watcher, he did not write them. Then, man, did he just throw himself under the bus and destroy any credibility that he had by sending mean letters to his neighbors who criticized him? Right at that point, you'd be like, "Dude, that looks real bad." That you just sent letters pretending, essentially, to be the watcher to people who made you angry in the neighborhood. Uh, I don't know. That's a real bad move. Again, if he was in, if he was truly innocent. And he was his family's being terrorized by these letters. That is a real bad look, a real real, real bad look in the end. What do I really think? like I said, these other people were possibilities. I certainly think there is a very real possibility that Derek wrote these letters to his own family. um people do weird stuff, man. they do weird shit i don't I don't really know what the motivation would be because he got he got requests from media. I would assume probably for books and stuff and interviews didn't do them. Got requests for the movie deals. Didn't take them. It's not like this is like Amity Harville. Like you would think that if you got these requests for movies, you can make money off of it. And if he was going to go out of his way to fake these letters, you would think that he would agree to take every interview under the sun, take the movie deals take the money and run as the song states. That's what I would think. But he didn't do that. The family didn't do that. Derek and Maria brought us. So that leads me to believe that possibly they were innocent and there really was somebody who was stalking the house. Who it is, I don't know at that point. But again, the fact that Derek sent out mean letters pretending to be the watcher to his neighbor's Uh, who pissed him off and thought he was a con artist. That again throws major suspicion back on Derek that possibly he had been the one from the beginning to do this. A lot of strange motivations would be involved in that, and I don't understand exactly why somebody would act this way. So in the end, this definitely remains a mystery. Nobody really knows for sure who it is. And I guess the longer this goes without any more letters will lead you to believe that maybe it wasn't Derek who wrote the letters. And it really was indeed some psycho who had to have been close. If they knew their, the kids names again, I guess is stuff you could probably figure out through the internet and whatnot in this day and age. Sure. But a lot of that stuff about the easel being on the house, the only way you're going to know that the one kid was, was uh, using, was painting with an easel outside the house as if you saw it. Okay. You can't look that up on the internet. Um, right. I mean, so this clearly means this is somebody who had to be in proximity to the house. So again, if it wasn't Derek writing the letters, then this is some weirdo who was definitely very close and was in fact watching the house to a degree. And that's super, super weird and makes me feel very uneasy And creepy, which is what makes the story super cool and super fascinating. I don't know who the 657 Boulevard writer was, the, the watcher. I don't know. And I'm not sure anybody will ever really know. It remains, as I said, unsolved. Guys, I certainly hope that you enjoyed this very, very strange and mysterious story the watcher guys if you have any questions or comments send it to philinterrupted at gmail.com i still can't believe smash tried to get in the show it's so annoying guys thanks so much for tuning in uh this is pretty much it we've been making moves here on Phil Interrupted, and we will catch you next time peace out As the broader. The fuck? That was crazy. Fuck, this got all screwed up. I missed the page. <sighs> oh no, I missed a lot. That sucks. Hmm. Okay, really fucked this up. Oh man. Damn it, Phil, I really fucked this up. Huh. Unless that's it. The basket next to the door? No, a basket. Can't be a basket.